This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Album was a really lousy album which had some of the lousiest songs. Don't buy any album from this band. They are lousy. Buy a Dire Straits or Foreigner CD instead. Metallica sucks, 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 Metallica are junk. You left out one of the Metallica sucks. Oh yeah, the one with the period, Metallica sucks. to the Cobras and Fire podcast. My name is Baco, and this week my plus one is my old friend Josh Toomey from the Talk Toomey podcast and, of course, all sorts of other nonsense. Enjoy. Any Welcome to Cobras and Fire. My name is Baco, and joining me tonight is a special guest host uh, from Floyd's Knobs, Indiana. Yes, apparently that's an actual name of a town. The one and only host of the Talk To Me show, Joshua Toomey. Josh, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, doing well, man. If you look at uh, every state's perverted name town, Floyd's Knobs, Indiana is our perverted sounding town name. I'm trying to think what the, the one in Minnesota would be. Uh, I'd... Uh, uh, I always like the the city castle danger, but that's not really perverted. Um, I don't know. I, I get Wisconsin just sounds like a like some kind of trashy <laughs> porn name. That's our neighbor, but uh, yeah, every, so everything in Wisconsin is uh, perverted. <laughs> oh man, I got to tell you, football just kicked off, and my Minnesota Vikings after week one are in first place, baby. If the season ended today. The 0-1 Minnesota Vikings would be hosting a playoff game. How about the Tennessee Titans, Josh? How you doing? 
Uh, we would have probably the number one pick, and you I just, just looked, looked it, it up, up online. Walking. The most perverted-sounding town in Minnesota is Keister. Oh, Keister, Keister Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Uh, you only get this kind of gold when you're on the show. And then there's there's also uh, there's also Dick Dick Wisconsin so Dick Wisconsin all right <laughs> huge, oh, huge numbers in Dick Wisconsin yeah, that's just like uh that's mainly just that that's like one of those names that are just like too obvious it's like yeah Dick Wisconsin so <laughs> just spend some time in Wisconsin with my boy Ron Keel how was that how was that show it was a lot of fun uh, the band was great uh, I was under a it was actually kind of a, a private biker event they were selling tickets you know to raise money for their uh, their their biker club but yeah uh, me and my boy Gene Vogel we might have been the only men there wearing shorts uh, it was a lot of jeans and leather pants uh, but but I did not see a lot of men in shorts well there are a lot of hog mamas La- there was uh, there was some gnarly gnarly nudity going on. Quite a bit. They, they had a wet T-shirt contest. Uh, all I saw oh. was the sign-up. Uh, I didn't actually get to witness the event, but I did see a guy riding a motorcycle with a naked woman on it. But uh, uh, anyway, wow! Hey, that's what you get when you go to a Ron Keel show. Yeah, exactly. You get crazy shit. So I, I, I uh, met Ron's wife that night too. So uh, it was all. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So Gene and his wife uh, and met up with uh, uh, my lovely bride Toots, and uh, we just had a kind of a couple's night out. All you could nice. drink too, so that kind of sucked because I was driving, so I couldn't. Uh, I real, I because I could have, I probably could have come close to a forty-five dollar, you know, amount of beer. <laughs> you know, I, I I couldn't have covered the ninety for both of us, but anyway, you would have tried. You would have given your valiant effort. Yeah, if I well, if we were camping for two days, there was camping on site and stuff like that. The weird thing is, it was a, it was a chili feed with no chili. Uh, check out our previous episode for more details on that. But how you doing, man? You you had a pretty big uh you had a pretty big uh, episode there over there and talk to me and the whole Knotfest show. Um, one of your uh well, boy, this guy might have been a launching pin for you uh actually picking up uh, a, a guitar that has close to six strings but not quite. <laughs> yes, the lower end of the uh, guitar spectrum. Uh, yeah, man, Jason Newstead, uh, formerly of Metallica, on the Talk to Me podcast, talking all things. 30th anniversary of the Black Album, and uh, man, what a, what an amazing chat I had. About an hour long, and not amazing because of me, amazing because of him. Um, amazing for I, you, though, man. I was so yeah. pumped. Um, and then watching it, too, just, uh, I don't know, seeing my boy. Yeah, and that thing, uh, we broke it up in four parts on the NotFest YouTube, but collectively, like, 125,000 views right now. Pretty insane. Damn. And uh, let Fuck me tell you, you the, comments, <laughs> the, the comments section has gone wild. So I I have checked out from that thing. I have not looked at the comments in like a week because, whew, they are not too kind. Hold on, I'm gonna get the latest number on my uh, Tony Harnell interview on uh, YouTube. There, it's the oh, it's at uh, 48, 48, not thousand. Well, not, Dad, not don't, hundred. Uh, <laughs> don't feel too bad. It's like it's like 125,000, and then like my Phil Dimmel is like 508. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it's all good. <laughs> so, but yeah, he. Uh, he, yeah, he, he was, was great. You were great. G- carry on here, man. Yeah, he was awesome, man. I had, I don't take a ton of notes and have a ton of questions, but I had about a full sheet's worth of bullet points for this one and didn't get to like half of them because he just, he's very long-winded. So you kind of had to uh, steer the conversation in certain ways. And if you wanted to, uh, you know, get him to change subject, you just kind of had to do it abruptly. There was really no transition into it. But man, he was great. 
A um, couple blabbermouth articles out of it. You know, you can't can't go wrong with that. He is still, um, you know, as much as he tried to talk about he wants to do other things musically and stuff like that, but when that dude talks, that guy's a fucking metalhead, man. Oh, he yeah. He is just a meathead metalhead fired up and pumped <laughs> up. And I mean that in the nicest way. I, I, oh, yeah. Not a shot at all. I love the energy he brought to the band. Um, I, I thought, you know, w- with the, Metallica could, could not have done better with the bass players they've chosen to replace over the years. I, from, from Robert replacing him and, of course, him place, replacing... Cliff? From him, him replacing Cliff. So, uh, obviously, they, they, they've really kind of... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Les Claypool was in the running, supposedly, but that, that seems yeah. weird. That does seem very weird. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, as much as I think Robert Trujillo is an awesome bass player, I think his, his braids and his jerseys and his gym shorts on stage always threw me off. Really? I, I thought it would when when they first hired him. Uh, but something about the crab walk and the way he kind of... And the the fact that he seems to... Man, he just seems to... Almost like when he's on stage, he like just appreciates like... I'm the luckiest son of a bitch, you know, uh, you know, like <laughs> he just he really gets it like that. Even like, you know, when they were on Kimmel, I kind of felt bad for they're doing all this press for the 30th anniversary and the guy's yeah. not even on the damn record. And but at the same time, I don't feel bad for him. It's it's, it's weird. So, well, that's like the uh, the first thing he ever did with Metallica was the Metallica icon thing. So <laughs> the very first public appearance as a member of Metallica he was doing MTV Icon series, so I, I, he, I guess he's just thrown into that. Yeah, well, you, what, what, who wouldn't be? You know, what I mean, there's nothing. It's not like he can do anything about it. It's just all, you know, all that good stuff. So yeah, but I think most most fans would have been okay with just the three of them walking out and doing that show, and you know, but uh, but they wanted Robert there, you know, which I guess I get. You know, they want the brotherhood and the band together. And, well, I- I think and, so. I I don't begrudge any that like that kind of stuff. What else are they gonna do? You know, Jason quits. You know, Cliff passed away. Um, yeah, th- these aren't kind of like uh, you know th- these things that like they- they've done anything wrong. So uh, yeah, he's a member of the band. He should be there. You know, but uh, I get why he's not getting answering as many questions as maybe Lars and James or even uh, even the guitar player guy there. Yeah, that's the one thing in all of this that just makes you just realize how big of a dork Kirk is. I know, right? <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> I, I love Kirk, though. I, I, I he's uh, he gets um, and we'll, we'll get, when we get into the record, we'll uh, we'll break this down a little more. But he gets kind of hammered as a guitar player a little bit unfairly, and I think that's largely out of jealousy because I, I, I think, uh, well, look, he is who he is, but he's definitely not a, a, a fucking hack, man. Oh yeah. No, he's a great guitar player, just a big old dork of a human. All right, so we'll save the uh, the um, uh, the the black album talk there for the back half of the episode here. I did have a question for you though. Um, re- recently, my wife and I were having a conversation that I, that I need you to chime in on because I've gone my whole life assuming one thing, and it turns out that maybe I'm wrong. I, that doesn't happen to me a lot. To me, that does <laughs> not happen often. But do women have groins? <laughs> um. She says yes, I say no. Well, I mean, when you when like an athlete pulls their groin muscle, it's not necessarily their junk muscle. So it's well, like yeah, a, but it's all the muscles like, leading up to the junk. You know what I mean? It's like the it's, right. the, it's like the the inner thigh muscles lead, connecting to the balls and the taint. That's the groin. <laughs> so when a when a runner strains that area, you know what do they call it with a female runner? Do they say groin? Well, uh, well, according to my my wife, yes, but to me, uh, they just say. Well, I guess I don't know because 
who watches female sports? <laughs> well, I mean, you're Parents? Minnesota Lynx up there. So. <laughs> I'm sure they've won a few championships, right? Yeah, no, they're uh, they're very talented in that uh, that women's basketball or whatever it is. They... How about me pulling the Minnesota Lynx out on you? <laughs> mm, that's a that's a pretty solid drop. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you did kind of skip past the football talk. Was it because you wanted to get right to the WNBA shit? Uh, I mean, they probably did much better than our uh, our collective football teams. Hmm. I don't know. First place. I don't know what. I got nothing to complain about. Uh, we're, we're hosting a whole playoff game, baby. Oh man, nobody lost as good as we did in our division. We uh, all four teams lost, and we just lost in a more respectable and you know less of a margin manner. So. I mean, if you want to get down to it, I mean, as I was watching the Titans game the other day, there was, there's been, I don't think there was a worse loss with expectation that we've taken in a long time. Mm, fair enough. Uh, we like, lost to the Bengals, so maybe that that's something though. Yeah, but we lost by like 25 points. Yeah, you did get beat pretty bad. <laughs> Who'd you play? Arizona. Uh, oh, so, oh, God, they're going to kick our ass. So in, in week two, we I don't think we're going to be in first place anymore after week two. Uh, I, uh, I've i had a bad feeling. I, I go in with such fucking sky-high optimism I'm almost every season. But, like, our coach hates our quarterback. Our quarterback is kind of <laughs> stupid. Uh, they just watched film together for the first time since Kirk Cousins has been a fucking fucking quarterback. And it was at Kirk's request. Now that could mean nothing. Maybe Zim never watches, you know, with, with the quarterbacks. Period. He is a defensive guy, but that seems kind of odd that your head coach has never watched game film with your starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but like like you said, I think he's much more of a defensive uh, defensive coach. So you've got that going. So. Yeah, he does seem to turn the offense over to the whoever his coordinator is. But then he, you know, he's had six. Coordinators in eight years, <laughs> Jesus. I, I'm I'm football. I've been listening to so much Titans talk lately that I'm just like, we're about to go get spanked by Seattle, and then our season starts. Like we're just gonna then we'll go play the Colts, and then hopefully we can win a game. Oh, they're horrible. They are just they're doomed. Uh, Carson Wentz <laughs> is in in mid season form right now. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to any of this. Hey, you know what? It's 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 a week one overreaction from a losing team uh, from from a couple of super fans that uh, <laughs> uh, uh, don't actually bet money on the game. So, uh, well, at least I don't. I guess I shouldn't assume anything from you. But uh, no, I, I, I put I put a little scratch on the game. Don't get me wrong. A little scratch. You know, although I am in the Ron, <laughs> you, you'll love this. Uh, Ron Keel Patreon members. He has a special pick'em group on. Uh, where you just pick the winners, but you put like a point value on it. So I got in late. I didn't even get the Tampa Bay game, which I would have picked right because I would have picked Tampa Bay. So I lost out on any points I got from that. I am in second place, one point behind the the, the leader of the group after one week with a nine and six win loss pick 'em. So yeah, I'm gonna fucking kill this fucking stupid Ron Keel <laughs> Patreon league. And there's a hundred dollars in the line, and I don't have to do anything. So nice. Well, I had you know just to just to bore listeners even more. Oh, right, yeah, we're killing them right now. They've already kinda, so. There's a lot of <laughs> skipping ahead going. I, I had a three leg parlay in the Arizona t- Tennessee game, so I, I and these three things have to win. You're going to need to explain the three leg parlay to L- okay. for LC's so, benefit. So, so three bets in the one game have to happen. So I had Derrick Henry under 96 yards because he always starts out slow. I had because he's fat. James, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's what he is. 
I had James Conner over like 27 yards That's because I figured he would. Yeah. Nick and I had Ryan Tannehill rushing over 17 and a half yards. So what was the middle one? I'm sorry. James Conner, who the uh, running back from the Steelers that went to the Cardinals is like oh, okay, their second yep. string, over 26 yards. I was like, yeah, it sounds like he'll get that. So he got that easy. Derrick Henry got 58 yards, so I got that easy. Ryan Tannehill, I had to get over 17 and a half. He rushed for exactly 17 nice. yards. I was like, you motherfucker. What would uh, what, what kind of scratch would you have pulled in on that? Like $35. It was, it was a $5 bet to win 40 that's too bad. Just too bad. Remember to call my name. I don't. If you speak my name, I implore. If with all these things we invoke here Call you out our name But before won't you I assume preparation for this show. You texted me a video of Dave Ellison uh, talking about what is he doing? Like some book or uh, something for Nick Menza? Uh, he's he is uh, narrating a like a documentary that I guess Nick Menza took a lot of home video footage around that time. So the family has got a director and around, oh, is, it it, t- is it around a certain time or just a metal or megadeth time? Yeah, it's just like those like eighty eight to ninety. You know the good the good era. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the Rust in Peace era. So yeah, that's, that should that should be a lot of fun to watch. Is he gonna get uh, Marty Friedman involved, and then they they can be like the uh, 
the the lighter Megadeth Light or something like that. I, I know Thank Nick's you. passed away, by the way. I just uh, yeah. I'm just saying maybe D- Dave Ellison now is going to get involved with everybody Dave's ever fired. <laughs> well, yeah, he could. You know, get a band with Chris Poland, and you know, Poland sounds like a uh, a penis. I'm currently listening to the Dave Mustaine autobiography. You're listening uh, to it, huh? Wow. Yeah. I, I actually got that autograph uh, from him. Uh, nice. Yeah. But I, what year did that come on? It's about nine years ago at this point. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. It's a good he book. Does not ta- he does not talk highly on pretty much anybody. <laughs> no, no, other than uh, the man in the mirror. Uh, he doesn't yep. have a high X. Uh, oh, yeah, he's great. Like, yeah, <laughs> he is. I, I love, I I love how... weird love for him. And I, and I also like... You know, I agree with everything I say about him on the show. Where like he's just kind of this angry guy, and I loved it. I think LC summed it up best when he said he doesn't jerk off; he beats off. <laughs> 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 he's like a self-loathing. Uh, I don't know something. Yeah, he's he's really hung up on people's shoes. He complimented mine. They're uh, black Nike uh, Air Monarchs. Uh, he's like, those are sweet. So <laughs> <laughs> did he really? No. <laughs> okay. Oh god. I figured that would be awesome if he did, though. It really would be. No, he was actually very uh, soft. He was like basically doing the one thing to everybody that came through. He'd sign the book, and then he'd like kind of like, "Thank you, thank you so much." You know, during the um, during the euthanasia tour, um, if you donated ten pounds of food to the local food bank, you got a backstage pass. So me and Jeremy Owsley, I believe you've that met seems before. pretty easy to do. Fuck. Um. So they so we go down and we although that's like our, nine thousand dollars of ramen. Yeah, it was pretty. <laughs> well, it was, you know, we got ten. Can, I think we did like ten cans of you know green beans or something. But uh, you took it down there. You got the you got the backstage pass. It actually looked like a tomato soup, a Campbell soup can. Um, and then after was it after or before the show? I can't remember. But they they lined everybody up in the seats of the arena. Who uh, who all did it? And they all just kind of came like they were in the in the row in front of you, and they all kind of came down and signed autographs and 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 kept it moving. But yeah, it was it was a good time, you know. Got to meet him. I think I was what fifteen, sixteen. You know, you can't go wrong with with that. Wow, yeah, it was pretty cool. Me, I was like thirty five, and I was like, oh my god, you're <laughs> fucking Dave Mustaine. So, um, no, he whatever. Are you looking forward to the new Megadeth record, or are you, are you, are you tapping out because of the whole Elvison nonsense? I mean, I'll definitely stream it. <laughs> I know you will. Yeah, give that money to that one dude in fucking Switzerland or whatever that uh, that tech guy. Thank you, hey, Fork. Thank you. <laughs> Delicious meal. <laughs> Thank you, table. Um. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I mean, I'm excited to see, you know, Megadeth. There's, I'm still, still possibly going to Iowa for Notfest Iowa, and there, and Megadeth is there. So you have to be definitely. bummed about the Faith No More news, huh? Oh yeah, that was going to be like the 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 pinnacle of that night. I wish you would have uh, told me you were thinking of going to Notfest. I probably would have bought tickets. Well, I mean, you know, if you were thinking about going, then I probably could have got you tickets. But if I was going to go, and you if you were going to go, I could have. I'll keep that mind yeah. going. Hey, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I'll keep that in the back pocket for next year. I know people, Baco. I know people. Yeah, you're pretty much my uh, <laughs> my. Uh, I'm just I'm 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 on the Toomey coattails now. If I ever make a flyer, you're gonna your name will be up high. Don't give me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, well, uh, Ellison has a new project out, Lucid. Have you checked out any of that? 
Uh, yeah, I checked out the one song they have out. It's not terrible. It is. Um, it's actually very bad. It's it's <laughs> one of the worst things I've heard in my entire life. It sounds rushed. It's, what is he? He's got like the lead singer from Sponge. Yeah. And, well, I mean, uh, from what I, from what I know, I mean, this... who's basically like a, a name that's everywhere, but uh, you know, not not well known. Yeah, they've had this together for a while, and I I, I Drew sent me this God back in. January. I mean, this is this is something he's been sitting on, so I don't know how rushed it would have been. But he, uh, I'm he, just saying, it sounds rushed. There's no telling how they recorded it. I mean, they could have recorded it in, in you know basements and everything else. But, but yeah, it's well, just sound wise, it's fine. I just think it's a really boring song, and that singer um, yeah. sounds like well, his best days are behind him. <laughs> it sounds like he was in Sponge. Yeah, it sounds like he was in Sponge. Elfson needs to get together with like Anselmo or. Just somebody like that and make a super. Uh, have you ever, have you ever tried to give away a sponge CD? It's it's really difficult. They they, they boomerang back. Uh, I I bought all three of them used, and I've on <laughs> two or three different times trying to give them to somebody who said yeah. they, they oh I kind of like Sponge. Oh, here you go. Here's three CDs. They're like no no I don't want them. Here have them back. Uh, <laughs> it's it's easier to get rid of a Jesus Chrysler CD. That's how hard it. Ah, uh, those are those are priceless. Yeah, no doubt there is no price. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I'm glad to see him popping up. Oh, you know, I yeah. thought the video was funny. <laughs> popping up. Yeah, that was not a joke. That was uh, that was an actual just phrase I made. Um, but no, like you need to just the simple fact that in that video I sent. You, did you watch the video? I did. Yeah. When his first line out of his mouth is... Hi, everybody. David Olson here. Just coming to let you know. Coming to let you know. Coming to let you know. You can't say coming. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can like... never say... I'm coming <laughs> here first. Coming to you first. No, you cannot. You're not allowed, Dave Ellison. But no, I mean, Dave rules, and, and hopefully hopefully everything works out in the in the end with all this, you know, sexual misconduct nonsense. Well, Ron Young of Little Caesar, uh, by the way, I think that interview's up to 69... Uh, not thousand, uh, sixty-nine uh, streams on YouTube. Uh, he he actually, I don't know if you listened to that one, but he 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 thinks that's going to get reconciled eventually. Like, yeah, he'll be back in the band. Yeah, I mean, he's like, come on, the guy just jacked off to him. <laughs> right. Yeah, so. <laughs> like, it it is so silly to think that we're even talking about this. It's, uh, it, the fact that that it's 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 about that. And and not like you know like I I I swear to God if if it just came out that like he had actually had sex with this woman he would not be kicked out of the band it's it's because it's like some kind of weird jerking off on a <laughs> yeah the only kicking out that should have happened was like his wife and the house yeah <laughs> that, I mean that I get you know what I mean I mean he goes like well you know. And like I said, I'm listening to the the Mustaine autobiography, yeah. and you know, listening to his shit that he talks about, like Dave Ellison's jerk off videos are not something you kick anybody out of a band for. I mean, Gar Samuelson was showing up to, to practice without his without his symbols and sticks because he was pawning them for smack. Like, well, smack is kind of out. expensive, you know what I mean? So, well, well, yeah, they had to get well. No, I hear you. Maybe, look, maybe there's something like Dave uh, Mustaine actually is close to Elvison's wife or something like that. Maybe she played a role in him cleaning up himself or something. I'm I'm devil's advocating the shit out of this, but yeah, I'm with you. It's just it, it's kind of silly. 
He was actually just here with with Drew at uh, um, at, at Crypticon here in Minneapolis. Did you go? Uh, I was actually. It was the night that I went to see Ron Keel. <laughs> <laughs> I chose Ron, Ron. Keel, Dave Ellison. Like, ah, yeah. like, do I go to? Hey, you man, know you're living the dream. If I went to Crypticon, I would not have had to go to Wisconsin, which you know there was there was some balance in there, you know. But anyway, and not not a lot of people want to go to Wisconsin. No, look at the people we know from Wisconsin. They all leave. They 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 get jobs. <laughs> they move to the Twin Cities. They move to Nashville, and then they like just show up and troll you at like you know some kind of summer picnic. Ricky Rockman and uh, his Rackman. time. Ricky Rackman. Rack- it's Ricky Rackman. I don't know. I've had him on the show. I think it's Rockman. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Ricky Rackman. Uh, you know, from you know, his headbangers ball kind of stuff. And that was kind of like, you know, when you were like, you know, just hitting the pubes were popping out and you're like sitting around watching MTV yeah. at 11 o'clock at night. I saw a little headline. Do you know? Do you, do you know more about it than I do? I didn't get a chance to read it. It was just before I was leaving work tonight. Something that uh, on Metal Sludge was sharing, like they're about being a poser or something like that. Yeah, a good friend of the uh, of the of the podcast universe that we're in, Doctor Fuck, over there at the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I guess a few years ago he had made this Ricky Rackman is a poser video. I've seen it before, and I he re-uploaded it recently on his current YouTube channel. And almost somehow, human? is that what it's called? Almost yes, human? almost human. You know, he started sharing it around. I guess it got a little buzz again, and then Metal Sludge picked it up, and then everybody's just kind of trashing Ricky Rackman once again. But my <laughs> my words to you, Ricky Rackman, my words to you, Doctor Fuck, is you were just in the same room with Ricky Rackman. Say it to his face. Say, Say it, it to, to my his face, face. bitch. <laughs> So that's that's what I got to say. Well, what does the video entail? Like, what is how does he like? What's his argument? Have you seen it? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. It's just it's it's just like a a three minute clip of Ricky Rackman and Ralph is doing a Ricky Rackman impression over the video. It's funny. I mean, it's clever. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, obviously Ralph's a very funny dude. Sure, but uh, but yeah, he's just like uh, you know. Oh, I liked 
I like Trickster, but now I like Nirvana and, you know, screw all that hair metal stuff and I'm going to cut my hair. You know, it's just, okay. it's just poking fun at Ricky. It's not, you know, he's just, he's just calling Ricky Rackman a poser. And then everybody in the metal sludge, you know, comment section is having a ball with it too. It's weird because I have kind of a, I don't, I really don't have a big problem with, with Ricky or what he did. I, I think people held him a little too accountable considering his job. And it, at times, but at the same time, he's really not always his, his strongest advocate. Uh, but what the hell? What the hell are we even talking about? We're all grown men. He just got a mohawk for crying out loud, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, and he said, him. "Make make changes, and in, in, it's never too late to, to just do something radical no. in life." Uh, yeah, he was just with us in Nashville. There, he played a Ramon song. Yeah. Uh, now there's been speculation that he played up. Like, you know, that, that you know, did he just start playing bass three days before or has he actually s- slapped on the weakest instrument in any rock band prior <laughs> to that? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I don't I don't know. I didn't go to the uh, I didn't go to the jam. Yeah. So I don't know. Blitzkrieg uh, bop is what I saw. That's a, that's a, that's a riding that A string pretty heavy there. But eighth notes, I think. Oh, that might be 16th, actually. No, that's 8th. Yeah. <laughs> I know Ricky gets a lot of crap, and Ricky knows he gets a lot of crap, too. I mean, every time I've interviewed him, he's very, self-depre- he's very self-deprecating. But he also and... always brings it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, it definitely bothers him. Like, it, yeah. it 100% bothers him, you know? Uh, and bothered me, too, man. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. At a certain point, you do have to be kind of above it. I mean, I get some hate. I don't really... I don't get it to the level he does, though. It just seems like it, just, it seems like it's a little unbalanced when it, with him. And maybe I'm missing something, but and like the guy hosted a fucking metal TV show for a few years in the early '90s, and we're we're, we're still harping on him, and we're we're tweeting him bullshit <laughs> over like wanting to play bass at a at a gig in Nashville. Right. Who gives a crap? Yeah, it's it's nuts, man. I mean, he, I was in that, like you said, I was in that sweet spot of of. You know, middle school, high school, when when Headbangers Ball with Ricky Rackman was on. So I mean, I and obviously I had no life. So I was at home on Saturday nights. You know, when you were in college, having your, you know, oh, yeah. w- waking up in a field with uh, you know beers all around you and shit like that. Not women, but, uh, not women, beers. <laughs> all of the women. Yeah, um, no, no. Uh, you're right. You're right about the fields too. You've been to Minnesota then too. It turns out. <laughs> I, you know, I played played First Avenue, I believe. Um, but yeah, the uh, what was the what was the name of that uh, Keister? You've been a uh, big fan of Keister, Minnesota for I a long time. I love Keister, yeah. Minnesota. Uh, summers in Keister, I'll never forget. <laughs> Waking uh, up in the cornfield. There's a double entendre. Summers in Keister. Summers in Keister. Yeah, don't, yeah he, search that in you porn, baby. Yeah, he just he gets a lot of hate, but you know he was my he was my Headbangers Ball host and and Headbangers Ball at the time introduced me to a ton of bands that I still love to this day. So. Ricky Rackman, you have no, uh, you you have a fan in me. And then I I also caught there was a minute where the two of you were talking in Nashville. It was it was funny because I I saw Ricky the first all I heard him say was, "Aren't you that guy from Primer?" Yeah, I get that a lot. I guess it would be nice if I could touch your body. I know not everybody has got a body like me, but I gotta think twice before I give my heart away. And I know all the 
play, cause I play them too. Oh, but I need some time off from that emotion. Time to pick my heart up off the floor. When love comes down without devotion. Well, it takes a song, man, baby, but I'm showing you that door. Rock, got it out. My favorite takeaways from your uh, your interview with uh, Jason Newstead was that you, you kind of implied, if didn't directly say, that he was kind of the reason, and, and him and then Metallica, that you kind of picked up uh, the bass guitar largely yeah. be- with the release of this record. I grew up a Kiss fan, you know, grew up as a Kiss fan, as, as in like eight, nine years old, liking makeup Still Kiss. And, Still weird. And, <laughs> and, and being into that, and then when, the, actually... I had heard something off of of Injustice for All, but I was still like ten or eleven, so it didn't click. But then Inner Sandman comes out, and the video is all over MTV, and all, everyone around me is listening to it, and it blows my mind. And then um, that's when I got really serious about wanting to be in a band, and uh, I really gravitated towards bass. Jason Newstead, obviously Cliff Burton. Now I was a lot younger when when my life changed, and I. I literally was seven years old. I heard Kiss Alive 2 for the first time, opened up the picture, saw Paul Stanley and looked at that guitar, and I, my mind was... I had no idea at the age of seven that this was going to carry on for the rest of my life. But at the time, I was like, <laughs> I want that guitar, and I want to play this music. And it turned out I, I, I did both. But So it was very instant for me. But again, I think when you're seven years old, things happen a little quicker. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you, wh- wh- how old would you have been? This came out uh, August twelfth, nineteen ninety one. How old was uh, was uh, the was... future uh, uh, god of podcasting? <laughs> Eddie Trunk was no, um, I was twelve. So, so. Still pretty young. So you got a bass guitar when you were twelve, huh? I did. Your tiny yep. hands were able to wrap around that. Uh... <laughs> uh, I mean, I was. Yeah, I, I saved uh, allowance and lunch money and some Christmas money and bought a Memphis P-Base copy from the the, uh, the music store there. My dad chipped in and bought like a crate, like a little crate. My first 15. guitar amp was a crate. Uh, actually, my uh, first good, somewhat good amp was a crate. My first one was like JCPenney. Yeah, they the, I think it was called the BX-10. It was a 10-watt amp. Mm. And it sounded like hell, and uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I bought tab books and and all that stuff for for all Metallica. I mean, literally from the time this album was released till about ninety three. I think it was just everything I played was Metallica. What was the uh, what was the the first song you learned? Uh, first song all the way through that I played was "For Whom the Bell Tolls." In general, or about Metallica. By Metallica. Oh, I mean, in general, and by Metallica. Okay. All right. Okay. Wow. All right. Fair enough. I mean, um, I didn't do it good. <laughs> what's that? Yeah, I, yeah. I was looking for like uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I was going for there. Uh, like unskinny bop, I guess. That that that's to help uh, LC out there. That that would be the the Bobby Doll joke. I did later on. Um, we joked around at practice a lot with that unskinny bop. 
Ba-doom, doom, 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 doom. So, oh, do you know how to play it on Skinny Bop? Yeah, it's an A string. <laughs> oh, what's this? Oh, I'm just nothing. Just sitting here. <laughs> yeah, right? You're just, damn, you're just pulling up the guitar. Uh-oh, Tubi. We got an online jam session going. Oh, fuck. Listen to that tone. That is fucking beefy. <laughs> you, know what, you know what the fun thing is? I'm playing through a bass amp right now. Damn. <laughs> Was this in your notes to uh, go off the rails like this? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean, why do you think everything's plugged in? I, it, <laughs> it's tuned, it's plugged in, I'm ready to go. No, so all right. Did you get the record right away? Like, were you, you as a twelve-year-old who needed to like scrim and save to buy a bass? Did you have enough money to go out buy the cassette? I assume. Definitely bought the cassette. I can't say that I was like a week one buyer. I don't. I don't. I don't know that I had a ride to the Sam Goody. Mm, okay, I definitely was not. I had. Uh, I was um, really, really upset with Injustice for All. I, I just, I still, it's my least favorite Metallica record, and I just, uh, I needed to, to be proven. And then then when I heard it, I didn't really have that reaction that a lot of Metallica fans had at that point to this, where it was like, what the hell is this? It's pop music, that kind of stuff. But it just didn't really gravitate and click with me instantly, but I think that was largely because I was so, so disenchanted with that that that, that record prior. It was just like... I don't even know. It's easy for me to put words to it now, but at the time, my mind was like, I, this is way too long. It's bad. It sounds horrible. <laughs> I hate that one song. You know, and, and it's just, I don't know. Which one? The song one. Uh, I just, I don't like it. I, I was mad that that became kind of a hit. And uh, I like Blackened, uh, and that's it off, off Injustice. I like Injustice for All. I uh, I definitely got into it, and uh, I mean, I sell I celebrate the first five albums, you know. I'm I'm actually I don't know I'm okay with most of their catalog to be honest with you, other than uh, Injustice and uh, oh that whole rehab record uh, Saint Anger. But uh, um, I did find an interesting fact. I don't know if we want to get into these uh, how we want to do it, but I'm just going to throw it in there. Like of the 16 million copies that have sold to this record, five million were on cassette. I was definitely one of those five million. Hmm. Now I have. Uh, I'll show you. This is the. I'll, I'll describe for the listener. This is the actual CD I bought. Nice. At Face the Music, and I don't know. It, it would have been within within the first year of it coming out. And then I I recently purchased. I don't know. The last couple of years, a recent pressing of the vinyl. Like it's on their own record label. The uh, the Blackened Records deal. It's nice. not one of those special Walmart exclusive color deals. This is. Before that that stuff happened, but but not too much prior. It's too like a double LP, one of those deals. Nice, yeah. yeah I like I uh, yeah. I bought the new box set. Um, has sixteen CDs in it. That is unreal. How much was it again? Uh, Two seventy seven. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 the, that should be the end of the episode. That's it. Yeah. 
I was going to yeah, keep interrupting you. Like, you give us a breakdown. What do we got here? Uh, six DVDs. Are these all like just live concerts or? Yeah, just live different live concerts and some live videos and some uh, you know Enter Sandman outtakes and. How many versions of Enter Sandman are there on that blacklisted CD? Um, not as many as nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. There's like a hundred. <laughs> and and my God, can we stop acting like Miley Cyrus has anything to add to anything? Uh, hey, that Miley Cyrus, that that was good, man. That was really come good. on, that was just oh my. You don't talk bad about Dolly Parton's goddaughter. Oh, you know Dolly Parton needs better taste. Yeah, I didn't know where you were going with taste. I heard mm-hmm. the t, and I was like, "Where are we going with that, Baco?" Taste. Oh, hey, here's your favorite. Your favorite part. Six LPs. Hmm. Do you do you even have a turntable? I do. I actually have a turntable over a. You'll actually probably enjoy my record player setup. Because it, it is one of the newer record players, but I bought an old console record player, and then it had auxiliary. It had, it did have an auxiliary port on the back, so I've got like an old grandma <laughs> record player, but I've got it kind of jacked up with a new a new turntable in it. So nice. sounds like you're at Mamaw's house hanging out. Mima, no Mamaw. Um. So yeah, you get a. Uh, LPs one and two are Metallica, the the black album. Uh, LP three, uh, yep, remastered. It is remastered. Uh, LP three, sad but true picture disc. Eh. LP four is live at Wembley Stadium. Cool. LP five and six is the Moscow show that was like a million people there. Nice. Uh, yeah, so there you go. CD1, Metallica Remastered. CD2, you get interviews. CD3, also interviews from the from the era. CD4, riffs and demos. You can just hear James jamming on the Inner Sandman riff. Say that one more time. Oh, uh, CD4 and CD5 are riffs and demos. Ooh. God damn it, C- Timmy. Hold on. Give me a second. <laughs> I didn't uh, spaciously set up my place here. Okay, CD4 is riffs and demos. Is that what you just said? Yeah, CDs 4 and 5, riffs and demos. Jesus Christ. (laughs) This is turning into a train wreck. Hold on. I can't even... uh, My headphone came unplugged again. Hold on. At least I got the Easter egg now. Are you still there? Yep. There we go. <laughs> I bought these headphones, you know, the ones that you have, but I bro- the- actually broke them one night right before I had a, a live stream. And so I bought I bought the same kind again, but I bought the Bluetooth ones. Oh. But the but the uh, jack that you have in here, it goes in and turns, so that wouldn't happen if you bought the $10 more ones. Mm. That's a good <laughs> tip. Um, I'm definitely going to be buying those pretty soon here. So CD seven rough and alternate mixes. Mm, nice. Did we did we say CD six was pre production and radio edits? CD eight 
Rough and Alternate Mixes, Disc 2. Uh, CD9, some uh, The Day on the Green uh, show. That'd be cool. CD, CD10 is live at Arco Arena. CD11 is also live at Arco Arena. <laughs> CD12, another live at Arco Arena. CD13, live in Mannheim, Germany, 1993. Mannheim, yeah, yep. baby. That's a keister. I was about to say, that's like the, I think that translates to keister. <laughs> uh, 14 CD live at Mannheim. And then, uh, yeah, you got DD, 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 DVD one, year and a half of life of Metallica outtakes. Mm. That's a good one. I haven't, I haven't even watched any of these yet. Uh, DVD two live in Copenhagen. DVD three live in Nuremberg, Germany. Live DVD four live at Worcester, Belgium. Mm, Worcester, that's where the sauce DVD is. DVD five, Ross Halfin's home videos from around the time. Oh, that'd be cool. And DVD six, wherever we may roam. Live DVD. Is that everything then, or? Uh, then it also came with a hundred and twenty page. Full color book. Uh, three lithographs, a lanyard. You got a bunch of uh, remake tour laminates, guitar picks, and yeah, and a and a beautiful box. Sweet. I do have a pick. Uh, I gotta work this bit a little bit. Nice. Yeah, hey, give us a little bit of, uh, you were playing it uh, when you got surprised the other day. Uh, the uh, the whole, uh, oh, you, the, 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 my favorite tune here, My Friend of Misery. Give us a little bit of that. I don't know how to play it. <laughs> or the, uh, the, the other big... The, man! <laughs> Damn, man. We've gotten, all, uh, we've gotten kind of a super fan on this thing here. Hey, man. I am a super fan. <clears throat> all right. I'm putting the guitar away. All right, me too. Yeah, you can't beat that beefy 10-watt bass. That's a 10-watt Fender bass amp I have down here in the basement. Nice. Yeah, it's actually uh, works out pretty good for a, a fill-in uh, uh, guitar. Hey, let's talk about the beefy sound. That's one of the things <laughs> that Metallica kind of brought Bob Rock in for and fucking delivered on this goddamn record. Let me ask you this. Why did that disappear with every record that Bob produced after this?
Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I have no clue. Uh, I like it's funny because I got so into Metallica when this album came out, but by the time Load came out, like I was already into like new metal and in death metal and just like every, oh, right. every other that had to be like you know how like long that time between like 12 and 17 seems oh yeah i mean it was it was a lifetime and then i remember getting load and just nice. being so bummed out by it just i mean i i can i can listen to it now but it's still like like i know most people are like metallica died when cliff died or and Justice for All was the last good album, or the only good album is Ride the Lightning. I like, wouldn't say I most. Get, uh, they didn't sell as many records when those were the fans, you know what I mean? But Yeah. Uh, but you, I get it. I mean, I like the first five albums to me are pretty untouchable, and mm. then it's just like tolerable after that. Yeah, you know, and, and to me that's fair, though. I mean, honestly... You know, the older you get, the harder it is to kind of like kind of recreate that magic and stuff, especially when you, yeah. you start making fucking money. You know, oh, yeah. it's difficult to, to still burn. And, and so, like, you know, James feeling sorry for himself for having a drinking problem was the closest thing they had to kind of having that anger again. And uh, yeah. what's crazy is is putting out this Jason Newstead interview where we go hard into the Black Album and the comments that aren't aimed at me are very like this album sucks you know this ruined the band you know yeah. it's just funny seeing all of that all of that kind of pop up and uh, and how many people just hate this album well i love that but, jimmy kimmel bit where people like read mean tweets and stuff so he had metallica yeah, promoting yeah. this record and it was like uh reading the amazon <laughs> one star reviews that was it look they weren't as like funny as i was hoping but it was still pretty cool watching those guys kind of read them I just saw an interview with James today talking about the uh, that Virginia Tech Inner Sandman clip that was going around, and I, I don't uh, know what you're talking about there. Uh, the I guess uh, Virginia Tech football pregame they do the whole buildup of Inner Sandman, mm. and everyone's jumping, and I guess it it it, uh, it registered on the uh, the the seismograph or whatever it is the the earthquake. Oh, okay. Oh, the earthquake, Otron. Um, so James was talking about how cool it was to. I guess the the question was, did you know you were writing a song that one day would something you know do this? And he's like, he's like that just happened organically. You know, you 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 can sit down and try to write, let's pump up a crowd song, and it's gonna suck. But the way that the fans and the and the and the team embraced Inner Sandman as their kind of pump up pregame song has kind of taken a life on its own. You can't sit down and go, "I'm going to write a timeless rock song" and then come up with one. You right. know what I mean? Uh, it, it just it doesn't fucking work that way. But that that um, that opening riff that I was you know that, that I was you know butchering here earlier that doom 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 that is like manipulated in in uh, at least three different spots slightly different uh, as far as playing but it's it, it sounds like the same kind of repeat part and I think that might be something that Bob Rock brought to the brought to the table as far as like kind of understanding more of the uh, music theory kind of stuff. And 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 in production and like we try it this way that kind of deal. And Kirk's uh, one of one of the things that he gets shredded for is the use of the wah, and then of course pentatonic scale stuff. But he does it very well, very tastefully. But this is the record where like I'm going to use the wah on almost every solo kind of started. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, if it ain't broke. <laughs> well, after this record, he's like, well, that's what I'm doing from now on. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Bob. Hey, man, if I have a podcast that goes, uh, you know, 16 million selling, I'm just going to repeat that over and over. <laughs> so, every day is the greatest hits. Oh, my God. So Bob Rock was kind of an interesting choice of producer at the time because he had just come off of like Dr. Feelgood with Motley Crue. And, and now I actually get it. Like if Dr. Feelgood to me is not that great of a Motley Crue record, but the, you cannot argue with the sound of the guitars and drums on that record. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and even the bass—it's it's just beefy, and that's what Metallica wanted. You know, they're they're especially coming off of the we don't even have a bass player uh, in Justice for All. So, oh, by the way, I love that that Jason was just open and honest. Like, yeah, that that hurt my feelings. That that sucked. That I couldn't <laughs> couldn't fucking hear anything. I still don't get. God, so bad. Your interview with uh, was it Steve Thompson? Was he, he uh, broke it down like he was like he got it to where like he couldn't hear any bases like and then Lars like take it negative four dBs, you know, like really you want it less than nothing? You know it's like Jesus. Yeah, I'd be pretty pissed if uh, my debut album with the band and they completely take me off of it. And no, it was he, coming he was off that of a uh, EP. <laughs> wow, that debut! I said debut album. Okay. The but the EP, you know, the Garage Days EP. I mean, he's all over that. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all bases, you know, bra crash course through brain surgery and all all that stuff, man. Yeah, he peaked with Flotsam. Hey, have you heard his? Uh, uh, not to get too much into this, the his band Newstead that that album. Yeah, I thought it was all right. I think, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's slightly better than all right. I, th I think it's a solid good. I was happy to see him back, and I was happy to see, you know, everything going on with him. But uh, I thought the album th that is an album that sounded like it was recorded in a bedroom. Oh like, boy, I, I that's some harsh it's, criticism. It's, there. It's, it sounded very demo-y. I think you're thinking of Echo Brain. I don't think I ever heard Echo Brain. I, I only saw it in the Metallica documentary where Lars is like, I guess Metallica's done. Echo Brain's the future. <laughs> Jason would talk to me. Well, so what you get for being a dick. Yeah, no, I uh, I think uh, Jason uh, left at the, at the right time as far as what was going on there, man. I don't know. I really don't know how Kirk Hammett kind of rode that through other than that he basically is the fucking punching doll that he's portrayed to be sometimes. He's he's a tough one, man. I mean, he but I mean, even on Saint Anger, I mean, he finally got to play rhythm tracks. So, <laughs> it's unreal, huh? Yeah, and and yet he has a story of how he wrote the riff for Sandman. Uh, I also found out today that Lars Ulrich didn't know the reference Sandman, like what it was about. If you listen to the Metallica podcast that they've been putting out, um, James actually said his original idea for Inner Sandman was a. Uh, like a like a chi like child death, mm. <laughs> like, like basically uh, sudden uh, infant death syndrome. Yeah, like cri crib death. Crib death is what I'm looking for. Okay, uh, yeah. and then basically tearing a family apart and all this other stuff. And he handed the lyrics in, and Bob and Lars were like, "Yeah, no, nah. like we we have ideas for this song. You need to try again." <laughs> and he said it actually really pissed him off because he'd never been challenged like that before. 
Yeah, you know, there's a couple documentaries out there where it's like there's this one scene where Lars wants to play something again and James throws a hissy fit like, I'm going to lose my voice. I wouldn't ask you to play a drum roll if your arm fell off. And <laughs> and then they, they they go through this like pandering to, to James moment and then James agrees to do it and then he does the worst job at faking being hoarse. Like... Like it's just like ah oh, god, that that guy had to be. And then of course we see that whole other uh, some kind of animal um, uh, documentary, and I, James does not come off looking like a reasonable human being in that. You guys cannot listen to playbacks after four o'clock when I leave. It's like, oh my yeah, God, he, seriously? He's only allowed to work from 12 to 4 in that. Yeah. It's yeah. Mess. And that means you're only allowed to work from 12 to 4. And it's just like, Jesus. Uh, I never, because I always, like, Lars always came off as, like, just a fucking douchebag. And he comes off fucking so reasonable in that movie. That's how <laughs> bad James is. It's like, wow, man. So, yeah, I, I got, I can, my point is that, like, yeah. There's all sorts of stories of Bob Rock, you know, give, give it up to him, man, that he rode through this. This was like an eight month recording session where he actually accomplished probably most of what he wanted to do, but had to fight every step of the way, largely with James. I went back and watched a year and a half before the Jason Newstead interview and just kind of getting back into that mind frame of, you know, like Metallica was my favorite band. Yeah. 100% my favorite band at the time. And, like, they kind of steered me on this path. I mean, even Jason and I talk about that in the interview. You know, if it wasn't for the Black Album, I'm not doing this. I'm not Yeah. I'm not heavily into metal and playing music and blah, blah, blah. Like, all of it, you know, the, the, the butterfly effect moment was getting heavily into Metallica. But seeing some kind of monster later on, and even going back and watching a year and a half of the life of Metallica, you kind of see the uh you know kinks in the armor or whatever yeah (laughs) like you know the band that you always thought could do no wrong and then over the years too like like stories of them kind of ripping songs off and and you know there's a great gary holt story out there of, of an old exodus song that's basically the coolest part of creeping death that part by chance yes okay and and even in that there's a die chant i mean it's it's crazy it's like an unreleased exodus song that gary holt wrote okay that's a hundred a hundred percent creeping death and then the you know the 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 big epic outro to one is a dark angel song You put that on, you're like, oh my god! But so there's so much out there that now that you kind of the band that you thought could do no wrong did a lot of wrong or something. Let's do a hard shift here. I have a, a trivia question okay. on this record for you, and I'm watching you. I'm making sure you're not googling. During the recording of this record, three of the members of the band 
were getting divorces. Which three members of the band were on their way to their uh, a divorce? Well, I know the joke was always we got they got married on Injustice for All and they got divorced on the Black Album. Okay, it's a good joke. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> uh, so the three members would be I don't know. I'm trying to think who who didn't get divorced. <laughs> James Lars Kirk. Hmm. So close. Um, James, I believe, is still married to the woman that he was married to at this point. Uh, it was everybody else. Lars, Jason, and Kirk. Any other trivia? No, that was it. That was the one thing I, I wanted to throw at you. But uh, I know you love trivia. <laughs> All right. Well, here's some here's some facts for uh, for the the listeners anyway. Um, Metallica, which is actually what the album's called. It's not actually called the Black Album. And Craig Smith might need to chime in here, but I do not believe the Beatles' White Album is actually called the White Album. I think it's just called the Beatles. These are kind of like names that the albums took on after the fact. So, uh, but Metallica is the best-selling album in the United States since uh, the whole SoundScan uh, thing started. Uh, it has sold 16.4 million records. Up to 2016, it never sold fewer than 1,000 copies in a week. It and it sells and it sells an average of 5,000 per week at that time. That's pretty fucking amazing. In 2016, it was still averaging 5,000 a week. It has spent 390 weeks and counting on the Billboard 200. I think the it's probably not in the charts anymore, but uh, like I said, this is uh, about five years old, but as recently as 2016, it was still in the charts. Did you guys talk about that with, with uh, Newstead? Yeah, he said as of uh, as of the recording, there's been only two albums that were on the charts for like 600 weeks, and it was that, that aren't greatest hits albums. Right. So no, the, I love so that like he not, made that, because that, to me, that's a huge distinction. Uh, so Pink Floyd's uh, Dark Side of the Moon and mm-hmm. the uh, the Black Album. So it remained in the top 40 uh, for almost two years. Uh, and, and the last time it was in the top 40 was in a- on April 17th, 1993, at top 40 selling charts. Um, it, perf- it produced five top 25 mainstream songs. Do you want to uh, name off the singles? Can There's a trivia question for you. Can you, can you rip them off there? Um, I mean, I could have, but I, I'm looking at it too. So, But it's a... Understand, man, the unforgiven, nothing else matters, wherever I may roam, and sad but true. Okay, so if you're looking at the same thing, you know that Understand, uh, man, actually charted the highest. That is kind of surprising to me. I, I would have thought one of the other ones did, but uh, anyway. Uh, so those are kind of the important details there. Uh, I, I do like what Bob Rock did with this record. I, I thought everything he did after this was kind of a disappointment because of how... I mean, this is a monster. This is back in black. This is appetite for destruction you know what i mean this mm. is uh ario speedwagon uh i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well, they've had a record that sold 10 million copies high infidelity well, why uh, why should I take a cheap shot at them yeah come on dude you know it's crazy about this album is it, it you know you you're obviously everybody's sick of the you know, nothing else matters and inner sandman and but if you put this album on and listen to the to side two 
cassette wise or you know even holier than thou i mean the songs hold up to this day and it sounds great i mean it, oh, yeah. like the, the the production is just fucking spot on i'll tell you this that that whole my friend of misery that is the only track on this record that i will actually cherry pick to listen to once in a while other than that I, if I'm listening to it, I play the whole record. That's what's crazy about all of this stuff that they're putting out. I mean, I think I was, you know, much as I love Spotify. Um, oh, you all love, of these you box love sets, the Spotify. All of these box sets are on Spotify. You can, you know, all 15 of these CDs are on Spotify already. But you can go and listen to all these different live shows. And I think they put out a live show around uh, uh, Ride the Lightning and. Like the band doesn't even come in on the right, you know, on the one. Like it's just right. like a big train. It's like a big train wreck, and then the song kind of starts. But I mean, they just don't even care. They just put that out. You know, they're just like, yeah, this was us that night. That's what we sounded like. Whatever. And and like, just having that like uh, sense of self is is, is, is yeah. it, it's kind of refreshing. It's like, yeah, I had a bad night. You want to listen to it? <laughs> Yeah, so I I enjoy that. I will actually be seeing uh, Metallica next weekend. They are here at Louder Than Life. Hmm. Uh, they're doing two nights, doing two separate sets. So we'll see how that goes. Right on. And um, uh, well, of course, we'll, we'll, uh, I'm sure I'll hear about it because uh, we talk in text more than people know. Um, I do have to mention though that like uh, you, you commented on something from a recent episode that came up on one of these kind of like sidecast deals that I'm doing. Uh, that so I assume that you're firing up the Spotify and dragging all your children in to listen to this record on a weekly basis, yes? Uh, like Metallica, <laughs> daddy likes Metallica, you like them. Well, like I took, I'm trying to you be know, funny, I, it's, it's it seems like it's fallen short, but anyway, carry on. I've you know, you talk about you know, getting our kids into Kiss and Metallica and playing trying to play quote-unquote good music around them and you know my little one likes you know uh, <laughs> we're not gonna take it and and you know he dirty deeds done they're cheap and you know took him to see kiss and he really had a good time uh, a couple of years ago but obviously my 15 year old like has nothing to do with metal hard rock nothing nice he's he's into these like soundcloud rappers that just, it, <laughs> I I'm a big rap fan. I you know I like I like the rap, and I, I like, like most. I like the rap. I like most eras of rap, but the auto tune rap takes me out of it because one of my favorite things about rap is a really distinct, cool voice. Chuck D, baby. You know Chuck D, Tupac, Snoop, Exhibit, mm. any of those mystical, any of those guys that just I had a very it. distinct voice. But Chuck like, D's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. He uh he has a playlist on Spotify um that we <laughs> that we can make about from from the house to the high school cuz I I drop him off in the morning on my way to work. That I I let him listen to his music, you know, kind of get his day going or whatever. Yeah. And Well, see, that's he, awesome. My dad l- l- let me listen to like I would buy a wasp tape at the mall for my birthday yeah. and on the 45 minute drive home to Oatana he would he would let me play it in the car yeah he hated it's it <laughs> it's funny cuz like the playlist is is a bunch of different artists yeah but i understand what the I, playlist is they even though i don't listen to spotify 
Well, it's a playlist of a bunch of different Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were actually describing yeah. to me what <laughs> no. a playlist is. So he so we listen to the the playlist each morning and <laughs> and for the most part with the auto tune, you can't really tell the guys apart. Yeah. And it kind of bums me out. I'm like this there's there's no distinct sound here. Like there's no you know, there's nothing that that makes me go, oh well, this guy's cool because he has a flow like this and blah 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 blah. But I mean, it, you know, it's it is what it is. Yeah. And and I'm you know I'm I'm not going to try to be like, no, bro, we need to listen to Slayer. Yeah, right. Because there's no way that's gonna work. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've taken I've taken him to concerts over the years, here and there, but it's it's definitely it definitely did not seep in. But then at the same time. I, you know, I guess it my dad is it shouldn't. It should be like uh, their own discovery, their own era, yeah. their own thing. We should kind of hate it. Yeah. Right. I, that's the whole point. It's like, and like, <laughs> you know, sometimes, I mean, obviously it's vulgar and degrading and, you know, like like a good rap tune should be. Yeah. Um. So it's funny because it'll just go off and I'll look at him and I'll be like, you know, no other parent is allowing their kid to listen to this on the way to school <laughs> in the car. Like, this is ridiculous, dude. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I bought him a hoodie and, and, and trying to, you know, if this is what he wants to like, if, you know, if, if one of these guys came through town, I will take him to the show, you know, that whole thing. Right on. Um, not going to try to... You all, I also can't be that parent that's, like, reading the liner notes to see what the lyrics say, because... And I did have a conversation with him the other day about, I was like, you know, dad listens to a lot of stupid stuff. That's, you know, dragons and murder and, you know, death and all this other stuff, but it's all fantasy. So, I mean, you got to think about it. You know, the stuff these guys are talking about, that's fantasy. That's not life. See, you know, the, you gotta, that part's parenting. The other part is, you know, what you're talking about there is letting things go. Yeah. Because honestly, especially guys like you and me, we would be yeah. fucking huge hypocrites almost at a unredeemable level uh you know because it's okay to say like well i smoked dope when i was your agent but i don't want you to i kind of get that but i'm like i think you'll be okay as long as you understand what you just said you you made a great point there it's like these lyrics aren't necessarily literal you know right you know women don't want to be treated like that. You know, you got to, <laughs> and things like that, you got to make sure that when you start to date that you're not like, oh, I think women like this. <laughs> right. To be degra- degraded and called whores. You know, you can't. Although I think the song can't. I Like Big Butts is literal, right? That's definitely, there's no, well, he, there's no yeah, nuance he, there. <laughs> no, he literally liked Big Butts because yeah. he cannot lie. Yeah. <laughs> well uh what about some final thoughts on the black album i know it meant a lot to you it was kind of a, a launching pad for you i do like i said this is an amazing record it deserves the accolades it gets uh i was disappointing the box set because of the blacklisted stuff everything you mentioned that was in there is actually pretty awesome but the the blacklisted these covers uh i just i don't know i i didn't need first of all I don't need. I don't need any of them. I guess. Well, you don't like covers, so well, let's start there's there. that. But uh... <laughs> so, fifty-three versions of Metallica songs is not high on your list. Um, yeah, why not just I, one of each song? Because it, they I, didn't even do every song. You have nineteen no, versions of nothing else. Nothing else matters, but zero versions of My Friend of Misery. Nobody wanted to do that. 
There's like three versions of My Friend of Misery. Oh, really? Well, then, uh, fuck me. They did every song. There's only one. The, the Struggle Within is the only one that only has one okay. cover. Well, but I missed the, it in my research here, so. Yeah, the uh, w- over on NotFest Twitch, we did a, uh, a breakdown of this album, of the Blacklist. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things they could have done with this album, but I mean, it, it, it was a fun listen one time through. It's not in the box set, so let's get that out of the way. Oh, okay. Um, I did not know. I assume. This is its own, this is its own separate deal. Um, oh, as the, right. as the uh, covers were coming out, you know, they were popping up on Spotify every couple of days, which is a great thing. Um, and I would check them out every day and be like, all right, that's cool. It's not something I'm going to go back to. Uh, there were a couple of covers I enjoyed. Um, Miley. But, hey, Miley Cyrus killed it, man. Yeah, she, um, yeah, she definitely did. She definitely did kill it. <laughs> yeah. um, can we stop but, I mean, pretending she's any good? God damn it. Can we stop pretending that she's bad? Um, well, there is a valley got, between any good and bad. Right. Like, is she? Did she make it through the song? Yeah. It, if she was doing karaoke at a bar, it might be okay. But no, it's it's not like I need to get that in a fucking studio. I'm just sorry. <laughs> I just I, I don't hear it. Uh, she's uh, she always reminds me of Hannah Montana for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I've never seen them two in the same room at the same time. So, mm, okay. Um, have you? Did you like Volbeat's "Don't Tread on Me" or "Ghosts in Her Sandman"? Or, or I actually disliked both. Uh, okay. um, it's weird. You must have picked those up because you know they're bands I like. But because uh, I didn't listen to every song, but those two I did, and I uh, could could care less about either. So yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, I mean, it's just obviously different styles of music with their takes on these songs. They're not going to replace any of the original songs for me, all going towards charity. And okay. I thought it was, That's I thought it was pretty, I thought it was a fun little, little tribute to the album. You know, I'm sure it did start with, let's have one artist do each song. And then as it got out, it's like, you know, more people be like, Hey, can we do one? Hey, can we do one? You know, and but for we, the most part, and then man, Weezer's like, can we do a spot on rever- like, version of uh, Inner Sandman for no apparent reason? Because <laughs> that's all we do when we do covers. You know, Corey Taylor did a great holier than thou. Okay, I, I didn't check that one out, but largely because I'm kind of getting sick of Corey. Well, I mean, you know, his company signs my paycheck, so. I mean, <laughs> that dude. <laughs> that was. <laughs> cannot do any wrong in my eyes. A great, great artist, but yeah, and he actually, is actually. By he, the way, he is uh, like, like I, I think he's gotten a little thin with me. But man, I saw him. Um, and I did a whole, a whole day, a whole day with Corey Taylor, where I went to a book signing and I met some of his fans in the parking lot, and then I saw him interact with people while they're getting their their book signed, and then I went to his acoustic show that night, and he is the real deal. Uh, he he truly connects with his audience in a way that I, it's, it's it's hard to duplicate so I, I no hate for that guy but man I just uh, that solo album he did just didn't, didn't really click with me the last Slipknot kind of irritated me uh, that's really the bit the, the crux of my bitch so I, I'll the, check uh, it out now because you know he's awesome and you love him well Stone Sour did a really good Creeping Death and then 
the on this solo on this uh, tribute album, uh, he is the only artist that, at the end of his holier than thou, they go into Whiplash. So there you go. Oh, nice. <laughs> so well, paying a little homage to the old days. As we want to do, we always talk long when we get together. Uh, we got to wrap this up though. Why don't you uh, just pimp yourself, man? Where can people find? I, everybody knows talktome.com, but you got a lot more going on than that. Well, technically, talktome.com is a real estate agent. Talktomepod.com is where you can find me. Mm, um, sorry. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can go to notfest.com. Uh, head up over and check out the series section. You can find me over there under the series on notfest.com. And then obviously, Thursday nights, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. You can find me on the NotFest official Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash official, which Baco has been a part of. Hmm. Jumped on there with me one night and uh, talked awesome. some Big Four. And uh, yeah, you need to come on, uh, come back on soon. So yeah, so NotFest official Twitch, NotFest official YouTube. Check out my Jason Newstead interview. Uh, if you don't want to do watch all four parts on YouTube, it's on podcast form at uh, talktomepod.com. And I highly recommend it. And uh, do you, off the top of your head, know where the Super Bowl is this year? Uh, the Super Bowl this year. It's in Los Angeles, isn't it? At the, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, so the Vikings uh, and Titans, I think, are going to be meeting there. So uh, <laughs> you and I will uh, be heading to L.A. there uh, in the second week of February. I promise you if the Titans and the Vikings are in the Super Bowl, we will be there no matter where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> You're dropping that not fest money and taking us both out there, baby. I will pay your way to this if both teams <laughs> make it to the Super Bowl. You heard it here on Cobras and Fire. All right. Hey, Josh, always a pleasure. Thank you for coming on, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. Anytime, anytime you need me, anytime Luce doesn't want to come on the show anymore, you just give me a call. I'll be there for you. Do you want to do a Rock's Not Dead? What do you want to say? Whatever, man. Never mind.
say your, your stupid town's name or should I say Louisville? You can say my stupid, stupid town's name. What is the it's name funny. again? It's Jerk Snobs. Floyd's Knobs. <laughs> Floyd's Knobs. All right, here we go. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.